glory, glory, glory. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to pick back up where we left off. We're going to continue our series on the church. <clears throat> if I nod off or fall asleep up here this morning, it's not my fault. It's that good breakfast we ate. All that wonderful bacon and waffles and everything else I had to afford. They forced me to eat. They forced me. I could not hurt people's feelings. They went through all that hard. And then I, had, I couldn't leave the food that was on my, my girls' plates, the waffle and bacon that was left. I couldn't do that. That would be rude. I had to eat that too. Matthew chapter 16. I told him, I said, I don't ever eat like this on Sunday mornings. I'm going to get up here and be like, ooh, man, it is 12, 15. It's time to go. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that the Son of Man am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I, everybody say I, I. will build my church. Come on now, that was weak. I, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. Now this morning I've got a bunch of thoughts. I've got a bunch of things that have just been marinating. Some things that I've, some different directions that we can go. And I wanted to really, we've talked about the church. We've talked about who we are as a church, as New Covenant. We've talked about the, the church vision. We've talked about the direction that we're going. But I wanted to really focus on the latter part of what he said. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We live in, an, in a society that is, especially in Christendom, especially in church, that we walk around as if the battle's already been won by the enemy. We walk around sometimes defeated. We walk around sometimes thinking that the church has no hope whatsoever of making any dent in society. And we talked about a couple of weeks ago that God uses church to bring social and economic change in the world. We've talked about those things. And it's time for the church globally and locally to rise up and become and take the authority that God has given it. Before the church was even born, listen to me, before the church was even born, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, I will build my church on that revelation right there. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the anointed one, the anointed, in his anointing, the one that removes the burdens and destroys the yokes. The same song we sang. There's power in the name of Jesus. On that rock, I will build my church. And guess what? The first thing he said, the first thing he said after he said, I would build my church, was not that they shall go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's not that they shall go and feed many nations. It's not that they shall go and win many disciples. He said right off the bat, he said, and let me let you know and everybody else and every satanic and demonic force in the earth, let me let everybody know that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now that right there is enough to make us want to shout for being a part of a church. Do you believe you are the church, the ecclesia, the ones that have been called out? Then the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. 
says the gates of Hades, actually. Well, that's an interesting word. And in studying that word, it means unseen world. It means the assaults of the powers of darkness. It means the power of death. Somebody say the power of death. That power, that assault from the power of darkness. The unseen world that we can't see. You, You do realize that we live in a world that we can see, we can touch. This is a podium. This is a bottle of water. But there is an unseen world that you do not see. That we cannot see with the natural eyes. Do you, do you believe that? Go back to Genesis chapter 1. Actually go to John. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. That was the beginning. How many of you know that the creation is subject to the Creator? Amen. Right, let me say it this way. Uh, children are subject to their parents. Can I get an amen, Miss Geneva? Amen. Subject to their parents. What does that mean? That means the children don't rule over the parents. Bless God, we brought you into this world. We can take you out. Isn't that what Bill Cosby used to say? The creation is not subject. Is not, it, the creator is not subject to the creation. That means this physical world that we live in is subject to the world that we cannot see and naturally observe with our natural eyes, but it exists and it is real. People say, well, I can't believe and I can't put my faith in something that I can't see. Every one of us have been in a room. I guess if you were out in the jungle and you ever heard a lion roar and the the hair stands up on the back of your head, well, you can't see it, but you heard it, you sensed it, you felt it. Every one of us have walked into a room. I would venture to say every one of us have either, especially with movies that are out today. There are some movies out there today, guys, that are based on fear. Okay, They're scary movies. We're not talking about Friday the 13th like when I was growing up. I mean, that was some scary mess. I can't, I can't watch that stuff. I don't watch that stuff. You, you need to be very, 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 very careful that you... don't subject yourself to that because what you're doing is lending yourself to the realm of the enemy. But everyone, I would say, you ever felt scared? You You can't see nothing. You can't necessarily hear nothing. But there's a tangible, physical presence that you sense, that you know is wrong, that you know is evil. That's the unseen world. And it's a real world. But guess what? So is the God of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The anointing that Jesus Christ walked around with was a tangible anointing that people recognized it. They sensed it. They could almost taste it. They could almost smell it. What is it? Who is this man from Nazareth? Because he carried a presence with him. He carried something with him because he was aware that he wasn't just in this natural world. He was of another world. He was an ambassador from another world. Sent to instruct and to demonstrate and then to leave us the same authority that he walked in. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to take my time this morning. Is that okay? Ephesians chapter 2. I'm trying to set this up so that you understand that the gates of hell, the prince of the power of darkness, the unseen world, is is subject to our God-given authority that was given by Jesus Christ. 
I'm getting ahead of myself. But the sub is subject. That means every, you walk up on somebody and you tangibly sense something that's not holy. You tangibly sense something that's evil. Guess what? Before you ever walk into the room, before you ever showed up, you've got authority over that, in, over that, in, over that demon, over that spirit. You've got authority in that situation. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, verse 1, And you he made alive, everybody said alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Two things. When did he make you alive? Mm. In what? And sins. Is sin the issue anymore? In which... Verse 2, you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, somebody say but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with us, he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. See, there was a time where we all once walked according to the prince of the power of the air that now works in the sons of disobedience. There was a time when we walked according to that world, but we don't walk according to that world any longer. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone has submitted themselves to the Lordship of Jesus, we don't walk according to those things anymore. Guess what? That means that those things don't have power over us anymore. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Now listen, let me, before I read some more scriptures, let me talk to you about that word prevail. It means to be strong against someone, prevail against another, used in a hostile sense, means to overcome, vanquish. This is the one I like the most. The word prevail means to get the upper hand. <laughs> so I guess I was about 16. My dad was a fireman. He retired from the fire department back in 2010, 2005. He retired in 2005. And he had been a firefighter with the Vodosta fire department for about 25 years and I remember growing up in high school we'd always go by there now see they don't do it so much now but when I was growing up they cooked all the time somebody say amen, amen. and when I say cook they cooked like they did this morning I mean it was there was there was good and there was plenty of it and so we'd get done with school and we'd come over and I remember they'd, they'd have food left over we'd skip we'd skip well we wouldn't skip we'd get permission to leave. No, we'd skip school. We'd skip school at lunch and we'd go eat and then we'd come back to school real quick. Now as a senior, I don't know if they do that now in Tifton, but as a senior I could do that and then come back for lunch. Can they still do that nowadays? No, they can't do that. We used to be able to do that. We used to, did they let y'all out to go to work on Friday? Like after lunch, if you're a senior, did they have like a work study program where they let y'all out? We used to do that too. Well anyway, before we'd go to work, we'd go by there and get something to eat. And I remember one afternoon we were getting by there. You know, I'm 16. I'm in the gym. I'm working out. My dad, I mean, as far as I look at my dad, he's old. You know what I'm saying? He's just an old man. And so I'm sitting there looking. And so we get to talking or whatever. And we just start, we're just sitting around outside. We're playing around. And so I said, well, let's arm wrestle. Okay, let's arm wrestle. 
So we sat down and we arm wrestled, and I won. Now, I don't know. I don't know whether he let me win or whether I won, but I, in my mind, I won. I just spanked my dad in arm wrestling. So I got a little big. I got a little bad. I said, well, I, man, I believe I could take you. He said, you think so? I said, no, I know so. You didn't see that right there? The next thing I know, all I know is I was on my face, and my arm was behind me because I, I was trying to get the upper hand. I don't remember what happened. All I remember, it was like, it was like, you know, Bruce Lee. All I knew is I was on the floor and I was saying, Uncle, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. What happened? I was trying to get the upper hand and I was trying to prevail. But guess what? The gates of my son, the gates of his son did not prevail against the father. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It is not possible. Now, it may look like that. It may seem like that. It may kind of be like that. But the reality of it, the truth of it is, is that that's not the truth. That's a lie. See, Satan is the ultimate deceiver. There's no, if his mouth is moving, he's lying. The Bible says that there is no truth in him. That means if his mouth's moving, he's lying. Well, you're not going to be healed. Liar, liar. Your pants will be on fire. (laughs) It's a lie. If his mouth is moving, it's a lie. And here's here's another indication for you. You know, sometimes you think, well, the Lord will tell you something. The Lord will teach you something. The Lord will show you something. If a word or a thought comes into your mind or someone speaks something to you in the natural and accompanied with that is fear and doubt and guilt and shame, That's from their father, the enemy. That's a lie. Words of truth. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. That's why we got to be careful when we speak truth to someone that we don't speak death to someone. See, I know people say, well, I'm just going to speak the truth. Well, what about the truth in love? See, you can't. Truth without love is very destructive. You can be, uh, what was it the Lord told you one time? You can be right. That's right. You can be right, but be rebellious and I can't bless it. But you can be wrong and be humble to the Lord and you can bless it. How does that work? I don't know. That's just the kingdom of God. God looks at the heart. When you speak truth to someone, you speak it in love. But when you speak truth, truth is always meant to set someone free, not to put them in bondage. The enemy is always going to show up on your doorstep to try to put you in bondage. The enemy is always trying to prevail to get the upper hand on you. He's trying to get your arm twisted. He's trying to put you in a position of destruction, a position of fear, because fear works death. Fear is what the the enemy operates in. And Jesus said that the gates, the very substance of everything that he exists, is will not prevail, will not prevail against the church. Now, I want you to go somewhere because I feel like we need to set some more parameters on this thought. I want you to go to um, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. We're going to talk a little bit about Jesus for a minute. Acts chapter 
10. You cannot talk about authority. You cannot talk about that which Jesus said He gave to us if we don't understand the principles behind it. If we don't understand why Jesus came. What, what, what happened when He was here on earth. And I was reading, I'm telling you I got all this this morning. Acts 10, chapter 38. Jesus, The Lord said, I want you to show Him this. Acts 10, verse 38. How God anointed. Somebody say anointed. What does that anointed, what does that word anointed mean? It means Christ. How God, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, how God anointed Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the anointed one, and on that revelation, Peter called, said, You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the one that travels and walks with the anointing. You are the one that God has anointed. He said, Upon that rock, I will build my church. Upon that anointing, I will build my church. And we saw a demonstration of that anointing. But God how God anointed Jesus Christ, of Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus came, and from the moment he set foot on this earth, he demonstrated to the world and to Satan that you have no authority over me. I've never seen that before I saw it this morning. Jesus, from the time he set foot on this earth, was a demonstration of the illegal authority that the enemy had been using for generations and generations to come. And he set foot on this earth and he said, I'm arresting you and I'm telling you that you have no authority over me right now, right this moment. Even when they killed him, they thought they won. Even Satan thought he won. And he said, no man takes my life. I lay it down. Jesus Christ, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who what? Who went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed of the devil. If the devil, if Satan has that much authority over the church as we've been led to think and, and been taught in certain circles and in generations before and times past, then how could Jesus overcome him and free people from the oppression of the devil? He can only do it with the anointing. He can only do it with being the Christ, the anointed one. But from the time he showed up, he set out to demonstrate that Satan has no authority over me. The entire ministry of Jesus was proving how weak and wimpy Satan really was. I mean, the disciples came back to him and said, Jesus. I mean, it's amazing. All we do is say your name and they run. That's amazing. From the time he set foot, the entire ministry of Jesus was sent to destroy and to prove that the works of the enemy had no authority over him. The entire purpose of Satan is to deceive the world into thinking that he has power. 1 John 3 verse 8 says, The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning... The Son of God appeared for this purpose. You ready? To destroy the works of the devil. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Galatians 1 verse 4 says, Who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God in the Father. His will, his goal, his purpose is to deliver us from this present age. 
And He has. We still live here. We still abide here. But our citizenship is where? In heaven. Colossians 1.13 says this. He has delivered us. Somebody say delivered. From the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. It shall not get an upper hand in our lives. Why? Because He has, for he has freed us. He has translated us. He has brought us out of that underneath that authority and that dominion. Which is illegal by the way. And brought us into the, to the, to the authority of His dear Son, Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 verse 1 through 15 says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those at Laodicea. He said, In their hearts may be, that their hearts may be encouraged, being fully knit together in love. Verse 3, In whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 4, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. The enemy is very persuasive because he's the nature of deceit. The only way you can deceive somebody is be a fast talker. Now this I say, lest anyone should persuade you. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. Rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him rooted and built in Him, and established in the faith, abounding in it with all thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. The enemy desires to come and persuade us with head knowledge, principles, and the basic foundational principles of the world to try to deceive us. Listen, the prince of the power of the air does not want you to step, does not want us to step into our full authority and our full power because he knows that it's game over. That's why this morning it seemed like all oh, everything broke loose at our house because we recognized and realized that the prince of the power of the air, although he is not in authority, does not have dominion, does not have power in our lives, he does lie, cheat, and steal to try to get his way in there. That's why sometimes your biggest arguments are the ones you have before you come to church. Now, we didn't have an argument. I'm not saying we did. It was me and my child this morning. There were things that the enemy was endeavoring to try to do, trying to inflict, trying to do. And, and the moment that we recognize, and the moment that we understand what's going on, see, he's a trans, He's not going to show up at the door and ask permission to come in. He's going to look. For some, he's a trespasser. He's going to look for some way to get in. But see, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Now, he may slide in the back door. He may slip in from time to time. But the minute you and I recognize what's going on, we tell him to get. But see, we thought as church, we thought as traditional church, we thought as religion. He said, your religion According to the tradition of men, Jesus said in the Gospels, I can't remember which one, He said that it's your tradition of men, your, your philosophy of men make the Word of God of no effect. Why? Because it doesn't require faith. 
It doesn't require, it requires head knowledge to function in the tradition of men. So the tradition of men says that if the enemy comes in and causes havoc, then it must be God trying to teach us something or reveal something to us. Because after all, God is all omnipotent and all powerful. And we know that all things God does and works for our benefit. That's not what it says. It says we know that in all things God works. It doesn't say that we know that God causes all those things and while He's causing them, He works. That's demented. He says that we know that in all things God works. Why? Why can He work in all things? Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's how come you can go through a tribulation or you can have a loss in your life or you can deal with something in your life and come out on the other side stronger for it. Why? Because He declared it from the beginning. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What about ministers and what about churches and what about believers who have slipped away and fallen and they died? Well, they're in heaven. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Even if you lose, you still win. Glory to God. The only way you and I do not win is if we don't receive all that God has for us in this life. And I'm talking about salvation. Everybody in here born again? If you're not, don't worry about it. We'll give you the opportunity to get that fixed then it's, the battle's over. If Satan was that strong, was that powerful, and listen to me, listen to me real carefully. If the enemy was that big and that bad, and he had that much power over you to get to you, and to hurt you, then why not ask him how come he ain't already done it? Because he can't. He's got to have some way. There's got to be an open door. There's got to be some way he can get his foot in that door. Because if there's not, then he can come in at any time he wants to and destroy us, but he can't. You cannot destroy what God has set in place. And God said that the gates of hell will not prevail. The best He can hope for, the best He can do when they have their staff meetings down there in hell, the best they can do is say, okay, we're, we're going to try to prevent this many people from getting born again this week. That's all they can do. They can work in the sons of disobedience, but they cannot work in our house and in this place and in your life. Because the authority has been, okay, the authority's been stripped, and I'm going to show you that. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 through 15 says, For therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. There's your verse. Put it on a bumper sticker and post it to your car. He has no power. He has no authority over our lives anymore. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 through 15. Here's another one. Titus 2.14 Who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people of his own possession. You've been bought. It's game over. Anything and everything the enemy tries to do from here on out is illegal. What do you do with somebody who's trespassing? 
Well, it depends on how far out in the country you are. <laughs> yeah. You call the authorities. No. I got my authority. What was it Medea said? I got my piece of steel right here. No, you are trespassing. You're on our property. Get it off. Well, that's the same way in the authority. But as the church, we think we're supposed to just lie down and take it. No, 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 no. Well, you know, I did pray for five minutes and it didn't go away. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Listen, guys, I'm just trying to share some things and, and, and to help you. I've, I've been doing this for a little while now in my own personal life. And I'm telling you that there's nothing more significant than this verse right here to me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of violence, kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The idea, listen to what one commentator said, the idea that the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus set up, is a powerful movement or reign among the men on earth, suffers violence, requiring of them an equally strong and radical reaction. The violent men who take it by force are people of such commitment and enthusiasm that they willingly respond to and propagate with radical abandonment the message of the kingdom. When Jesus was here, we're fixing to talk about it. When Jesus was here, he said, he took, he stripped, he destroyed the power and the work of the enemy and then gave us the responsibility to do the same thing after he left. But we've not stepped into it fully like we should have. We've not been walking in it fully like we should have. Why? Because we live in this realm of, of, of this idea uh, April and I were talking, uh, not last night, Friday night. We were talking Friday night. We were praying. We live in this world. She said, we live in this world in this idea that we keep wanting God to come down from heaven and fix everything for us. We want God to come down where he wants us to, to come up. And she saw a, a vision of someone on the ground trying to fight all these people coming at him. But if you would just raise yourself up like in a little tree stand... If you just sit up in the latrice stand, you'd see all the powers of, of, of heaven ready, aimed, and, and able to help in your time of trouble. But because we have this mentality, we have this mentality right here. We have a flesh mentality. I live in the flesh. No, 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 no. You are a spirit. You possess a soul, and you live in a body. But your citizenship is not here. It is up there. That's why the two men that are going to come back at the second coming, many believe is Elijah and uh, who? Yeah, but the, the, who are the two that didn't experience death? Enoch and, uh, and Elijah. Elijah didn't experience death. Why? Because they got so close to heaven, they just went on into heaven. See, our citizenship... Is of heaven, but we live in a world and we live in a fallen. We live in. Can I just say this? It's personal preference, okay? But this mess about the fallen world, I mean, as if that's an excuse for us to live in a fallen state. No? Well, okay, we live in a fallen world, but guess what? 
we have the life of God within us. Go, 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 go to Genesis chapter, chapter 2. Go to Genesis chapter 2. I, I, I want to show you something because I believe this is powerful and I saw this for the first time. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From that day you eat you shall surely die. The Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. Amen. And so he made woman. And so he said to Adam, verse 20. No, verse 19. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field, but for Adam, there was none found a helper or a comparable to him. Now, from the beginning of time, God intended for man to dominate. That's why when the fall of man came, that's why every man's desire is to dominate. Now, it is a twisted, tainted, uh, seductive domination that the, that the world has tried to put on us. But dominating is God's idea for man from the beginning. He brought every animal. Notice he said he brought every animal to him. God created the animals and set and created the garden. Then he placed Adam in the garden. The provision was already there. See, before God calls you somewhere, before God puts you somewhere, recognize and realize that that place has already been prepared and provision is there. Come on now, somebody. He put him there. Formed, he created, God did all the hard work. I mean, he did all of it. And then he said, now, you name the animals. It doesn't say that God inspired him. It doesn't say that God told him. It says he brought every animal to Adam to see what he, lower H, would name them. God created us with a mind and a brain. He created us with intelligence. He created us with gifts and, 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 and emotions and a body and there's nothing evil about that. It has been tainted. It has been twisted. But Paul said, I buffet my flesh. Paul said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember that old commercial where they take an egg and fry it in the frying pan, you know? This is what drugs, this is what your brain on drugs. Remember that other, the other one that said the mind is a terrible thing to waste? Your mind is not evil. Your mind just has to be renewed. There's a difference. It doesn't have to be changed. It has to be transformed and renewed. Your mind has to be renewed. We've got to renew our mind to some of these things. Dominion is God's intent for man. That's why there will never be a planet of the apes. There will never be animals Big enough, strong enough, or smart enough to overcome man because it would be contrary to the Word of God. That's why we'll never have Terminators. The machines are not going to rise up and take over. (laughs) It's not going to happen. The plant and vegetation is not going to rise up. Guess what, guys? Global warming is not going to rise up and destroy the earth. Not before man leaves it, ain't. Not before, not as long as I'm here. 
Not as long as you're here because guess what? We have dominion and authority. I know some of this is hard to wrap your mind around. Just go with it. It's the word. That's why every animal is subject to your voice. Now, I don't try to take authority over anybody else's animals. But you set foot on my property or in my space, I'm going to take authority over you. And you're going to obey me one way or the other. Why? Because it's it, you, I have authority. Policemen understand authority. You and I understand authority. The next time you see a police officer standing in the middle of the road, waving you down, blowing his whistle, signaling you to come here, you just keep on going. Let's see what happens. Does he have the physical strength and the physical power to stop that one to one and a half ton vehicle you're in? No. He can pull out his gun and shoot at you. He can, he can try to prevent. But he does not have the power to do that. Guess what? He has the authority. Now, the difference is that we've been given all power and all authority through the name of Jesus to exemplify and to demonstrate on this earth. He said, I would give you the keys of the kingdom. That's what he said. Isn't that not what he said? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 16. I want to make sure I'm reading this right. Come on, everybody read with me. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. And I will give you the what? Keys to the kingdom. Now, I was thinking about this. Number one, keys signify authority. It would be pretty weak of me to say, well, I, I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm the, I'm the CEO. I'm the manager of the, of, the, uh, of the church. And to show up here Monday morning and wait on somebody else to bring keys to the church. But that's what we've done in Christendom for years and generations. Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys. Now, for this facility, there are four keys, basically. Four keys, and each, each one of these keys have a purpose and a significant function, and they open a specific door or a specific set of doors. Now, you may have this key, and you may be able to get into that area of the, of the campus, but you're prevented from getting into this area because you don't have this key. See, he didn't say, I'm giving you the key. He said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. There's, there's certain doors that are unlocked by certain keys. But now if you've not been instructed, if you've not been renewed in the mind of the way you think, if you've not been trained and taught and discipled, you'll be trying to open the children's facility key in heaven with the main sanctuary key and it won't work. And then you get frustrated and you go, well, it won't work. See, I told you it wouldn't work. I confessed it for three days and binded and loosed and told the enemy to let go of that money and it didn't come. Well, maybe you were using the wrong key. Don't get frustrated. But that's what religion wants you to do. That's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to try it one time and then it don't work. He says, see, I told you it didn't work. If you take this key right here, this key, it says Lowe's on it, it will open up all the rooms over there in, in the uh, family building, the shift building where we ate breakfast this morning. 
But you stick this key in the door and you try it, it's going to stick on you. You won't be able to open it. You'll walk away and go, well, pastor's key don't work. He told me that the key he gave me was going to work and he lied to me. It won't work. That's because you got to finagle it a little bit and then it'll break loose and turn. Listen to me. We've been given the keys of the, of the kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean we just run out with reckless abandonment. No, but understanding that we have keys gives a whole new mindset when the, 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 something shows up on your doorstep. If you didn't know this, if you didn't recognize this, then when something shows up on your doorstep, you're going to be praying and seeking the Lord and fasting, thinking about whether or not this is God or the devil. But knowing we have the keys, knowing He's given us these keys, there's no question. Now we just got to go, okay, I know this sickness and disease that, that's attacking my family or attacking me. I know this isn't the will of God. So I'm going to go to the Word and I'm going to pull out my owner's manual because i got a bunch of keys and I'm going to say, Lord, which one do I need? And the Lord may say, well, if any of you sick among you, James chapter 1, let him call forth the elders and lay hands on them. They'll lay hands on the sick. And the, the prayer of the righteous will save that will raise the sick man up. Well, P.C. Nelson, who was, a, who, was a, who was a scholar, Greek and Hebrew scholar, he said that the literal translation of that in, in James was that if any of you is beyond helping himself, that brings a whole new light to it. See, what well, the, the Bible says if I'm sick, I'm supposed to call for the elders. No, that's not what it says. It says if any of you are sick and unable to help themselves, call forth for the elders. There's a difference. Could you imagine what our schedule would look like if we had to go lay hands on every single person every time they were sick for every sniffle, every fever, everything? That's not God's intention. God's intention is not for you to be dependent on man. Everybody say this with me. I'm not to be dependent on man, but on God. He's given us the authority. Now, there are times when we walk through things that are very difficult, and you can't be Superman. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is you can call forth. A lot of times we'll call forth the elders and say, Guys, uh, April and I are believing for this. Will you agree with us? See, that's different. That's the prayer of agreement, glory to God. Now, one is putting 1,000, two can put 10,000, three can put 100,000, four can put a million. Do you see? There's a difference. But if you don't understand, if you don't even know that keys exist, you'll just be swimming along Christian life and be 30 years old in Jesus and never know that you can actually take authority over something and rebuke it. He's done a real good job at trying to keep it away too. <clears throat> he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. You don't have to turn there for time's sake. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. See, the devil can't even, he can't even remove you from the situation. He can't even really steal it from you because legally that would be breaking the law. The best he can do is put a veil over our face and try to convince us and deceive us that it don't exist. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. See, he's blinded the eyes of of the way he's blind, he, he endeavors to blind us. That's why, mm, 
That's why unforgiveness is such a dangerous thing. Because unforgiveness and bitterness blinds you to what God's trying to do. There's one more verse I want to shed light on this real quick. Colossians chapter 2. Go back to Colossians chapter 2. I want to show you one more thing and then we're going to close right here. And we'll pick up next week. Colossians chapter 2. What, what I want you to do, what I want us to do is when we leave this building today, I want us to understand, number one, that keys were taken from somebody and given to somebody else. Keys were taken from the enemy. Listen to me. Keys were taken from the enemy. The enemy can do nothing but blind you, to try to deceive you, try to trick you into thinking on things that are not truth. The nature of deception... The very nature of deception is to try to get you to think on something that isn't true. Try to get you to, 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 to meditate on something that is not a reality and is not truth. Because if you do that long enough and you believe in that long enough, it turns into fear of what, will act, what could happen rather than the faith in what really has actually already happened and will be manifest in this world. The nature of deception is to try to get, listen to me, who deceives the whole world. The nature of deception is to get us to think on things that are not true. So if he comes and you feel like you're being deceived, then think the opposite. Well, you know you ain't going to get healed because that's not God's will. He's trying to get us to think on things that are not true. Colossians 2, ready? Verse 11, let's start there. In Him, everybody say in Him. You were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with Him, say with Him, in baptism in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Ready? Verse 14. Having wiped out the hand, writing of requirements that was against us, talking about the law, which was contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you. He went down into the very pit of hell. Now, now there's, there's, there's Hades and then there's hell. Two Greek words or two Hebrew words and Greek words to describe what it is. See, no one is really in the lake of fire yet. That will come at the second judgment when he will judge all and he will cast him, he will cast Satan and all his principalities 
And everyone that rejected Jesus, he will cast them into the lake of fire. Okay? But until that point, they go into what they call Hades, which is still a place of torment. Jesus went down there to that place. Having laid aside his deity, having given his life freely, went down there and took the keys and made a public spectacle of every satanic and demonic force. That's why the enemy... Hey, see, jealousy and envy is the, is the devil's... Uh, uh, what, what's, it, what's, what's it called? It's his uh, DNA. DNA. I mean, it's his, it's, his, uh, it's his call sign. It's who he is. He's envious and jealous of you and I because we have what he can never have, but what he wanted to have, but he can never have, and that is sonship. He made a public spectacle of them showing them openly to all, making a demonstration. Just wanted to let everybody know that they're defeated. And then he turned around and he said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, upon this rock I'll build my kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail and I give you the keys to the kingdom. We're going to talk about binding and loosing later. But he gave us the keys and then the, the word binding and loosing really means to allow or to not allow. It means to permit or to stop. He's given us the keys. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now it may look like it's going to prevail. It may win a couple of battles, but it is not going to win the war. The war has already been fought. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get this in my, in my spirit. And I feel like the Lord is really downloading it in me. And He's trying to get it to all of us that we got to leave this place. We've got to get up every morning with a mentality of victory. That's why, that's why when I sat down with Haley a couple of weeks ago, I said, I want every song to be hopping and going. I want us to be running and shouting. You may not feel like it. I don't care what you feel like. We're going to rejoice. Why? Because there's a, there's a response that comes out of us when we know we've got the victory. When we know we've got the dominion and the authority. Well, you're preaching dominion and authority over everybody. No, I'm not. That's not what I said. No, we have dominion. We have authority over our sphere of influence. We have authority and we can take that authority and we can use it or we can not use it. But it doesn't change the fact that the enemy knows it and that he's going to use it against us if we don't do it. He knows it. Sometimes the one that isn't in the know is us. The enemy knows it because the nature of deception has to say contrary to the truth. He knows the truth. He knows his time is drawing near. He knows he's not going to be able to do this forever. And so every onslaught that you can imagine is coming against us as a church to try to get us to turn away from this. He doesn't want us to go door to door. He doesn't want us to shine. He wants us to say, well, you know, the society's changed now. You know, people aren't like they used to be. You can't just talk to people. That's weird. Would you rather be weird or people die? We went and knocked on that door. We went and knocked on doors yesterday to invite people to come eat breakfast, and we didn't come across one person that rejected us. 
we came up on a couple people that were still in their jammies. But they did not reject us. They did not look at us. They did not say, you know why? Because we just came to love. We just said, look, we're not here to preach to you. This is really what we said. All we said was, hi, my name's Lawrence. Or I had my two. I mean, I, I was at an advantage. I'll just be honest with you. I had Hannah and Laney with me, so I mean, who's going to get mad at them? And they was like, we just want to invite you to our church. We're having breakfast tomorrow, and we'd really like you to come. It's from 8.30 to 10.30. I don't know where they got these numbers from. But, I mean, they just, and they just invited them, and everybody was like, oh, thank you so much. We so appreciate it. We didn't say, you know, can we, do you know Jesus? If you have a plane was to drop in the sky right now and blow this place up, would you know where you'd go? We didn't say that. We loved on them. See, Jesus, everywhere he walked, he just oozed love. He just demonstrated love. And people were just drawn to him. And then he would be drawn to somebody and he would speak to him and, and set them free. He would draw to somebody else and he'd speak to him and set them free. That's what we do. We have authority. When you walk into a room, when you walk into a room, every knee and every tongue has to bow to the name of Jesus, period. Ooh, you don't want to go over there to that part of town. or You don't want to go over to that person's house. They're, you know, it's demonic. Well, when I show up, we'll just let everybody know who's in charge. Jesus. They have to be subject. When people come onto this campus, we pray every Sunday. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, we bind every satanic and demonic force, every distraction, and it has to set itself way down there the road, down there by Carpenter Road. It cannot come on this facility. It cannot come in this place. And people that are sick or people that are mental or people that have pain or people that are experiencing a spirit of oppression or whatever, that when they come on this place, they feel freedom instantly. Why? Because light and darkness cannot mix. Now, do we say that because of us? Because of what we do? Because of we're so strong and mighty as Christians? No, we say it because He said it. And I'm just endeavoring to walk in line with what He said. If He said it, then I believe it and that settles it. Stand with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. There's so much here, guys. There's so much word. There's so many things that we could go on and on and on about. But there is a power and an authority that God desires for us to walk in that doesn't go around showing it. I mean, I, I know that there are, uh, I know that there are um, abuses of authority. I know that. I know that there are abuses of authority. I know that there are people that uh, take advantage of their positions of power and positions of authority. But by nature... Uh, we were, when we were walking around yesterday, there was a policeman. We didn't get to talk to him, but I saw his car. And on the side of the car, Tiff Police Department, it says what? To protect and serve. The authority that we've been given is not to dominate over people, but to dominate over this world system and to demonstrate and exercise. I mean, one commentator said, we are the go-between. Okay? When Jesus was here, he was the go-between. He levied heaven and earth together and he walked around demonstrating how we are to operate. That's what our goal is. That's what our job is. See, our job is not to just go into a room and cast every demon out of everything. Our goal is not to just go into a room and heal everybody. Jesus didn't do that. 
Our, our job is to be led by the Spirit of God. Jesus said, I don't do anything or say anything I don't see my Father do. And that's what we do. We live our life as ambassadors on this earth, but we walk in a, an authority and a dominion that Jesus did that He desires for us to. When people submit to you, to your counsel, uh, that's why it's so important for us to reach out and, and invite people into our homes. Because when I invite them into my home, they're subjecting themselves to my atmosphere. They're subjecting themselves to our atmosphere of hospitality and peace. Only, only rebellious people try to do it. And when, if they act rebellious, then we tell them, you can't do that. And I've told them, you got to get out. You're not going to light up in my house. Now, you can go out in the yard if you want to, but you're not going to do that inside my house. That's disrespectful. Now, I'll feed you and love on you. Watch TV, hang out, but you're not going to disrespect. That's why it's so important for us to invite them in our atmosphere because it's where we have authority, where we have dominion. We can affect change that way. Relationally, that's why it's so important. Because when people come to you, uh, when people come to your place of business, they're subjecting themselves to your authority, whether they know it or not. They're subjecting themselves to you, and you can be a light. You can be a, a shining light to them. You mind if I pray for you? You know, you spent 30 minutes telling me about this problem you've had. I just believe that the Bible says that we can pray for one another just like this is what Jesus did. Can I just pray for you? I mean, how? that's not hard. People submit themselves to doctors all the time or uh, psychologists all the time or subject themselves to marital counseling all the time. Man, they are opening themselves wide open to the gospel of Jesus Christ who does not push, who does not pressure, and who does not exert force. But he is a great influential person. Understand where you are and understand that you have authority. And when people come into your sphere of influence, don't be threatened. Uh, we were talking the other day in our young adults group, and Justin, I'm going to use you as an example, Justin was telling me about a conversation that he was having with a lady who was a, Jehovah, was a Jehovah's Witness. She was a Jehovah's Witness, and she was talking. And he said, Pastor, he said, I don't even understand. He said, I don't even know where these verses are, but there was just like things coming out of me that I just, it was like I knew them. It was like I was inspired. I said, you was. You was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's not our persuasive words. That's the world's way. We just declare the gospel. We just declare the word. That who the Son sets free is free indeed. It is our job to declare that dominion and that authority. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us authority and dominion. And so, Father, I ask that you help us to correctly Walk in that level of authority and dominion. Lord, I pray that you don't, uh, I pray that you help us to uh, gear ourselves to not take advantage of the authority and the dominion that we have. Let us be protectors and servers to the body of Christ and to the world that when we walk out and we see something happening, we take authority over it from that standpoint. And that we help people, that we minister to people, and that we demonstrate that the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent taketh by force. 
we leave this place as an army of God. We leave this place in the authority and the dominion that you have given us. And we go out in that world and we say, Satan, you are not big enough. You are not bad enough. It is not dark enough for the light and the knowledge of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to penetrate. We may not, we cannot individually get everybody. We cannot demonstrate to everybody. But everybody can demonstrate to somebody. Let us as a church demonstrate the goodness and the authority and the dominion of, and power of God in this earth. Because that's what's going to draw people in. Father, we thank you for it. I declare that over us right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just wait just a moment. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lawrence was preaching, I heard the Lord say to give y'all just this little nugget to take out. I heard the Lord say, be a help to somebody. I heard the Lord say, you have loved ones in your family. We're just going to start with the loved ones. You have loved ones in your family that you see something in them that they need help with. And I hear the Lord saying, help them with that. If they are backbiters and they're gossipers, and that's something in them that you cannot stand, help them with that. Don't gossip back with them. Don't let them gossip to you. Help them learn how to renew their mind. The Lord is saying to us, if we do not help, how will they know? How will they know how to renew their mind? How will they know how to turn those things that are inside of them that they don't like, that they don't want in there, that the enemy has lied to them and told them that he has made them have this control on themselves? How will they know what to do if we stand back knowing how to tell them what to do, knowing what we can help them with, doing nothing at all? How will they be helped. I hear the Lord saying, that is what is going to change my generation. The elderly people, the older people, we are to look up to you. You are to sharpen us. You're to train us. You're to help mold us. When you see these things in your loved ones, in your friends, people that you care about, especially that's younger than you, help them. Don't stand back and, and tell your spouse or tell your mama, well, they got this or they got that wrong with them. Help them. Lift them up. Next week, my husband said he's going to be talking about how you bind things up, how you loose things up, what that means. It's going to be some powerful stuff. The Lord, he really unveiled a lot of stuff to us this week. We had miracles take place in our family. I had a miracle take place in my body. And it's so powerful. The Lord, His Word, it is so elementary. But the enemy has tried to blind us. He has tried to blind us to where we think that we can't even receive it. We can't even understand it. 
And he says that we sit at the right hand of the Father in the kingdom. That all you have to say is, I place myself in your kingdom, Father God, at the right hand with you, Jesus. This day, I sit myself at the right hand of the Father. And I'm no longer at this low part of the ground being devoured by wolves. That I'm high. I am glorious. I am victorious. I am not a victim. That I do not call you, Lord, to come and pull me down. I say, I rise myself up. Yes. And I place myself there. And that is where the miracles happen, I'm telling you. The miracles happen when you rise yourself up and you place yourself. Stop saying things. Start saying everything. You declare it with your mouth. You don't like something, you declare it with your mouth. The scripture says two people gathered together can come to agreement and move those mountains. But guess what? Just that one person can't be saying all the prayer. You've got to be in agreement. That means speak it with your mouth. Say it with that person. Say yes in the name of Jesus. And you're yes. saying it back and forth. And you're in agreement about it. Don't just call somebody, pray for me, or do this, and you not say anything. You're the one that holds the keys. You have the authority. You say that. You say, I have authority. You be in agreement with me because I am taking authority over this. And I am going to rule and reign this situation. Help somebody know that they can do that. Help somebody know that they can renew themselves. They don't have to just call on you to renew everything in them. You can teach them. You can renew yourself. You can lift yourself up. You can call me and you can say, I'm saying this over myself. I'm declaring these things. You be in agreement with me. And that thing will be gone. They can't live. Amen. Why don't you pray for us? And why don't you preach next week? Because I think I'll know. <laughs> Father God, we just thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for this time for the freedom, Lord God, to be able to come and gather, Lord God, in your house, Lord Jesus, to give you the honor, to give you what it is that you have called us to be, Lord God. What a glorious thing. You created us to be glory to you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are free for it. We are free from it. We are free for it. Lord Jesus, I just pray, Father God, that you right now, that you are speaking to your people right now. You're placing a name on their heart right now, and you're saying, help that person. Help that person. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you will give each and every one of us the person that you want us to help, Lord God. You will give us the wisdom, the education, the knowledge, Lord God, of what it is that we need to speak to say to them in love to provide that which you want them to know that they have, Lord God, to give them the truth, Lord God, of your word, Lord. Lord, I thank you that we are going to obey your word. We are going to fulfill this earth with your words, Lord God. We will, we will obey that, Father God. We declare it. We decree that we will obey your word today, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that you reign over us, in us, through us. King Jesus, thank you. We glorify you, honor you, love you, value you. Yes. 
In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.